Welcome to Christian Warrior Talk, proudly presented by Christian Warrior Mission. Hosted by former Navy SEAL, SWAT officer, and atheist, now a warrior for Jesus Christ, Pastor Jason Perry. This is more than just a podcast. It's a spiritual vanguard where we intentionally set aside the hustle of our daily lives to come together. We gather to study the Bible, share in heartfelt prayer, and engage in meaningful discussions about all things Christian, homesteading, prepping, and self-defense. Lock shields with us, and together, we will hold the line. And now, let's meet your host, Pastor Jason Perry. You are listening to Patriot Crusader Mission, where Christian warriors are forged. Sponsored by Patriot Crusader Mission Patreon page. Join us and become the Christian warrior you are called to be. Strengthen on us, strengthen on us. At my signal, unleash hell. Do or do not. There is no try. Just wait for Ken to get here. Um, so what are you hoping to talk to Ken about today? Let's do a little promo. Yeah, sure. So today, my, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, heavy stuff that I want to not dump on Ken, but, um, you know, um, talk to Ken about. Um, you know, one is... You know, again, going back to prayers and how many prayers may or may not have been answered and, you know, how to reconcile, you know, the differences of what the Bible says anytime two or three of you are in one place in an agreement, it shall be given to you, that type of stuff, mm-hmm. to talking about my time, you know, what I, I don't want to call it an alibi because God doesn't need an alibi, but my time theory, meaning that if I you know, did something terrible. Let's say that, um, you know, I crash, let's say, you know, you crash, you crash in a car and you died. I can't pray you not to be dead. Right. That already happened. Right. But, um, so like there is no time travel going back and undoing that. And maybe we, the, the millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people were praying for Trump. Maybe this was already set way before then, like maybe at 2016 after he was, you know, after Trump won that surprise election that maybe they put the fix, like the fix was already done. Right. And it was already all set in motion and all the decisions made and everything else already done by say 2018. And none of us were praying by then. Interesting thought. You know, Dominion, Dominion, Dominion was already set. Everything was already done all around the, the world. You know, maybe yeah. all, maybe that is the alibi. And again, maybe this is going to still happen. I don't know, but you know, that's just my my thoughts on it, anyways. Yeah, at this point, it certainly seems like we're running out of time. Um, so Monty um, piped in as far as something that he's interested in learning more on is free will versus the will of God. In other words, how can we have free will if he knows everything, everything that will ever happen? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to attempt to answer that, but I will ask no, that. No, that's a question yeah. that he is wanting to pose to um Ken, if it fits into the conversation. Oh, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll tell Monty that, I'll tell Ken that Monty's a a new Christian brother of ours that we've been working on for a bit, and I'm sure he'll be really happy to that. So, Monty, I'll put your question in uh, first in the chamber, and then if you get any other ones, Ken is, will not, does not shy away from anything. 
So from what I'm seeing on my stream is I'm going to try to stay more stationary and be less animated because I'm looking at my frames per second are really struggling today uh, from what I'm seeing. I'm going from 10 to 30 to 10 to 30, and I don't really understand what's going on with all that stuff. So I'm going to... I haven't been watching the uh, replay as far as seeing whether you look jumpy. Um, morning, McNeely. Thanks for joining on, Ken. We'll hopefully be here shortly. We're just kind of getting all the tech set... I don't see that you're looking very jumpy. If anyone else wants to to chime in as far as whether Jason's um, visual is jumpy at all, we know the audio is sounding good. Yeah, right now I'm just going around and closing everything. Well, I... He's saying not jumpy, so I okay. think it's just whatever you're seeing on your end is not accurate. That's fine. Um, awesome. Are you seeing the chat today? Yeah, I have the chat. The chat's up and running. Okay. Everything's up. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, that's some of the things I want to ask Ken. I want to ask Ken how to deal, um, you know, how to deal with this kind of despair that so many of us are feeling in our country. I also want to talk about making an idol of our country. And then I want to, I want to talk to him about his sermon because I struggled with his sermon. You know, um, I don't believe this is a, was a, you know, duly elected president where everything was on the up and up. And I kind of think that this might have been a, you know, that this was a hostile takeover from a foreign nation, i.e. China. And when are we supposed to push back against that? I mean, that's an act of war and not um, and not a democratic societal thing. So, you know, it just really depends. And then the other thing is, is, you know, you know, talking about all the garbage that's going on, you know, like we did the other day, all the fake stuff flying around that's just yeah. further igniting fears and i mean there's just crazy stuff going on that i really think we need to um we need to address well and um if the the china influence which i don't think many people are denying is is true and it is an act of war yet we are here talking about a civil war in context of right versus the left and is that truly the correct enemy you know or yeah. is it, that's infighting and not actually addressing the right um aggressor right yeah well <laughs> well the the, the the problem is is yeah i'm hearing um little baby b problems so um you know the problem is is then we would have knowing trainers amongst us and unknowing trainers amongst us Right, and that's that's kind of an issue that we have to resolve um, with that. So um, I'm kind of hoping that, um, you know, again, we're not going to know that. We may never know that, right? The fact that we don't know who killed JFK at this point or still shows that yeah. we not, we may not know anything. Um, yeah. You know, but, I, you know, this has been a really tough – a really tough week for me or, you know, weeks for me as I talked, you know, throughout this and – you know, I don't feel like America is ever like, I feel like it's gone. Like, you know, I don't feel like we're ever going to be the country we were ever again. Like that battle was fought and we lost. I don't like how we lost. I don't like how things went. And as of right now, unless God intervenes between now and the 20th or whatever on his timeline, we'll never be the home of the free land of the brave. Like our daughter will never know the society that you and I were gifted with. Yeah. I mean, I never is such a big and conclusive word. 
So it's a hard statement to say, yes, I agree, or yes, that's definitely the case. I'd say it's certainly different, and it's definitely different in the short term. But I don't think that that excludes or precludes the ability to get back there. It just, it might not be on the timeline that any of us hope to see it happen. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, in the Bible, there are centuries where people are enduring, where his people are enduring persecution, and is that what we're going into now? You know, and I kind of talked about this, you know, again, I don't want to get ahead and hit all my talking points, but how, you know, if you Google right now the most Christian nation in the world, you'll see it's America, like 260,000 or something like that, 260 million, I'm sorry. And you look at the rest of the world, and that's really not the case, right? Um, But our society, like if you look at, you know, Christianity as a religion, the, the started in supreme oppression, right? The Roman empire, supreme oppression going on. No, the, the, the Jewish people or Christians had zero power. They were literally lit on fire as Roman candles. That's where that saying came from, which is why I think that firework is so disgusting. And I didn't find that out till later that, you know, they yeah, would, they, really they would light the streets with Christians in cages burning. And that was how they, I mean, that was just a form of oppression as well as everything else. And, um, you know, and then America comes around on the scene thousands of years later, formed in, in and under God, right? You know, you know, very religious people in there coming out of a prayer meeting drafted our constitution, our documents, you know, everything. And and his sermon said, we're the only country that has initiated that covenant, a covenant with God. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, again, and I, and we'll get into that in depth once Ken gets here, I've got a text into him telling him we're standing by. I know he goes from appointment to appointment. So, um, you know, and now I feel like we've broken that covenant with God. Um, we've taken God out of schools. We have embraced the LGBTQ XYZ agenda, we have, you know, wholesale slaughter of children and on the sacrifice of convenience, right? Mm-hmm. Convenience. And, um, and, you know, for many religions uh, or for many Christians out there, God is a self-help coach. <laughs> He's not mm-hmm. the judge of our eternal damnation, right? right. And, right. you know, and, you know, we have some listener people going through our 90-day crucible challenge right now who keep falling back into repeat sins. And one of the things that I say to them and that is that, Hey, until you make your sin personal and there's a cost to it, you're not going to be yeah. there. Odds are you're not going to be able to beat it until like your, your addiction to porn. And you realize that every time you re sin, you are essentially the reason those nails went into Jesus's hands and feet and the thorns on his head and the, the scourging and everything else. And until you make it that personal, a lot of people can't overcome that. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think a lot of people don't internalize or, or, or want to think about that. If they are knowingly continuing that sin, then that really reflects that Jesus isn't truly in their hearts. So and not only have they not made that personal, but that also potentially is, is, um, 
signifying that they have not truly converted to being a Christian. Right. There is reflexive sin, right? And what I mean by reflexive sin is something goes wrong, stress goes off, and I get angry or whatever, or Mm -hmm. I reflexively do something. That's different than saying, hey, I know doing this is a sin. I'm going to choose to do that, and I'm going to choose to nail Jesus to the cross. And once you do that, um, it kind of takes a long – I mean, it it changes everything for me. Um, It's – why, you know, I don't go to porn pages anymore. It's why I don't do a lot of things anymore that I used to because I've made it personal. And like I said, until you make it personal, I, you know, when you meet him, you know, you're going to be, you know, I just, I just, you know, if this is my best friend and I fell in love with him through the chosen, as I've said before, and, you know, and somebody who I have true affection for and love for and believe that I'm going to meet. I want to be the less, the least reason on why he's got hand, hand, you know, nails and everything in him, and I want him to know that I did my best not to, you know. Yeah. Again, it's not works based, but as I become closer to Christ, I will be sinning less, and people will see more of that in me and want to follow him, and that's the whole, the whole point of it. So, um, so, so there's a lot of different things here, and I want to get through. Uh, I'll start talking about it until. We get on here. So Monty, he says, not jumpy. William Rutledge says, hey, what is your guys and pastor's opinion about having an out-of-body experience? Um, you know, my opinion is I think those can happen. Um, you know, I'm not going to judge anyone's experience or how God talks to any other people. Um, that hasn't, you know, def- when you define out-of-body experience, I, I, you'd have to define that to me. I've had feelings. What I mean by feelings is I've felt physiological responses to my body where when I have been extremely in tune with God and I feel like I am 100% connected where I'm supposed to be, I've had like a warm tingling in my body from head to toe. I don't know anybody else who's done that. And that may be for, you know, um, I maybe maybe it's something else, but I'm just saying it happens only when I feel like no, I'm in the right place, the right. Time. That for sure. uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to experience it differently, so I think that it's legitimate. Well, you because the situations in which you have felt that have been very specific. Christian Warrior Talk is sponsored by Trident Shield, your trusted ally in violence preparedness. Trident Shield safeguards your loved ones with expert training and consulting. Trident Shield, defending faith through preparedness, because together we save lives. All right, so then Monty has, how do we reconcile love and hate? I'm not sure we can love our way out of this situation. Um, well, you're not required to love your way through the situation. So... Um, and I'm, you know, I don't want to speak for Ken, but you are allowed to hate, you're allowed to hate sin and you're allowed to hate evil, right? The opposite, you know, God hates sin. Like, you know, this whole thing, God is love. God is justice, right? He is a holy, he's holy and he is justice incarnate. So, um, you know, they're, they're, there, you know, I don't think we have to love our way through this. I think that that is the rainbow unicorn, huggy feely health coach Jesus. And 
we are called to do so, you know, to, to love one another and to do what we can, but we're not supposed to like, you know, like Jesus said, if you're trying talking to somebody and you're trying to share your faith with them and they become abusive and they're abusive to you or they're doing evil things, you know, turn your back on them, shake the dust off your feet and walk away from it. Um, you, so so it was the saying that hate the sin, not the sinner. And I think a lot of people get, um, they, they blur that line a lot as far as they don't like the actions of someone or they rightly hate the action or the sin of someone. And um, they attribute that feeling to the person themselves and they start to hate the person for that action. And I, I think that's the hard part to kind of parse out is when, when can you say you hate someone versus you hate something that that person does. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm, te- I'm texting. Yeah, I'm, I'm texting with Ken. So can you repeat that, Lauren? I apologize. I was just saying that the the hate the sin, not the sinner concept, I think is um, is yeah. difficult to kind of parse out. What is it okay to ever hate the person, or are we supposed to just channel it at at the actions or the sins of that person? Yeah, and and that is you know, like the rabid dog thing. Right. We got to look at sin like rabies. It's a fatal disorder, right? You don't get out of sin. Like it's eternal death, right? No one cures rabies. You know, it's eternal death. And the only thing that we have, we have a vaccination against that. And it's Jesus, right? It's finding Jesus, repenting our sin, asking for his forgiveness and and going from there. Um, You know, if I had to put my dog down because he got rabies, I'm going to be sad and I'm going to have to do all those things. But at the same time, um, they become a danger to everything in society and a risk to all of our salvation, you know? Um, yeah. You know, so again, it's, uh, I think it's a really uh, tough thing. So I want to say some hello to some people because we've got some people on here I haven't seen for a while. So, um, um, <laughs> Shah. Cheshire, I don't know how to say how, what you want to be called, brother. Just type it in there. Or sister, uh, good to see you. I know you're you're coming to us from across the pond. It's great to see you. Robert, uh, great to see you. Um, McNeely, uh, great to see you, brother. And uh, Joseph, it's it's all it's good to see you as well. So again, uh, Ken is here. I'm gonna Anyone I'm gonna admit him. In recently, we are on standby trying to. To find Ken. He said he was going to be here. Ah, he's signing in right now. So there there he is. (laughs) Right now, we'll work through his tech issues. So, uh, Ken, we got you loud and clear, and we're already live, Ken. So, welcome to the. (laughs) All right. So, Lauren was standing in for you in the meantime. So, it's good to have you here, brother. Yeah. Poor excuse for a pastor Ken Grace. <laughs> that's, that's all we need to do it. Look. But but way better looking. Anyways, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I will say goodbye. Have a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful talk. God bless you, Lauren. Uh, God bless you, Ken. All right, Ken. Thanks for making it. Um, you know, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, this is uh, my my great friend. I am Pastor Ken Graves from Calvary Chapel, Bangor, um, one of my closest mentors in the faith. And this is, um, 
you know, Christian Warrior Talks Biblical Life Support, where we talk through our challenges and answer some of the toughest questions out of the Bible for former atheists or even longtime believers and helping them uh, understand and grow in their faith with um you know, so uh, we've got some people on here that I want to I want to introduce you to a longtime friend of mine, Ken, a team guy who's a rec- very recent Christian um, who I've been working on for a while. His name is Monty Heath, um, and Monty's got a question for you today, right outside of the gate that uh, he asked in the beginning, and his question is this. Free will versus the will of God. In other words, how can we have free will if he knows everything, everything, everything that will ever happen? Hmm. It's a real question. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's beyond my ability to know. There's there's a mystery that's presented in the revelation of Scripture. A mystery that I think we have to embrace. That a a mystery that reveals an all-knowing God. Omniscient, can't learn anything. Always knows everything, including what is to us the future. He knows that. So that is revealed. That is an, an acknowledged reality from the scripture. But at the same time, it is also revealed that we have the freedom of choice. That all of us not only have the freedom to choose, we are held accountable by God for the choice that we make. So am I free to choose? Yes. Does God, like he does in Deuteronomy chapter 30, say things like, I set before you life and death. I set before you blessing and cursing. And he goes, please choose life. Or you hear God appealing to the prophet Ezekiel, going, why will you die? I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that he would turn. When I look at that, I have to acknowledge that God not only does reveal that I have the freedom to choose and that he will hold me accountable and honor my choice, whether it's good or bad. Um, it's a reality that the human will is real. Now, you should know there are great thinkers that disagree with that. John Calvin actually wrote that um, free will is merely an illusion. You know, Calvin's concept of uh, God's sovereignty does not allow for the sovereignty of man. Uh, but I, I, I have to say, when I go to the Bible, I go to the Scripture, I can see both of those things are presented to me. God knows everything, can't learn at all. At the same time, I am called by God to make choices, and then God is going to honor the choice that I make. And so what I have to do, Monty, is I have to embrace the mystery of what I cannot comprehend is beyond my little tiny peanut brain. And I acknowledge that smarter people than me debate these things. Um, smarter people than I, I, I should tell you, Jason, I've got a live audience and they're not totally quiet. That's okay. I, well, tell, if I know them, I miss each and every one of them. I miss Calvary Chapel every day of my life. And, uh, you know, you, you guys are such a blessing to the world, so... I, I got Miss Jeanette is in the office at the same time. Hey, Jeanette. Good to see you. And, uh, she, Jay said hi. So, Monty, listen. On that issue, brilliant people debate. And there's a camp that says God is completely sovereign. He's written a script, and all we're doing is 
is acting out our parts. There's another camp that overemphasizes the reality that humans have free will and must choose. And sometimes they hold to that truth to the exclusion of what is also revealed that, that God um, is sovereign. So they don't emphasize the, the sovereignty of God. The other side emphasizes too much the sovereignty of man. I personally, I'm a simpler guy. And I just go, look, I read the book, and the book reveals a God who knows everything. He knows the choice I'm going to make. He knows, as he puts out the invitation to humanity, through Jesus Christ, God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. How about that? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, so God says whosoever, but God actually knows who will. If he has ever known who will receive Christ, then he has always known. That's why I don't have I don't get hung up when I go to the book of Romans or I go to Ephesians and I read words like predestination. That whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So it's an area of great mystery. And most of the churches are divided. Like I said, one side says God is sovereign. The other side says humans have to choose. And there's a few that are right in the middle going, both are clearly revealed in Scripture and just embrace the mystery. I can't understand. That's my best answer I give to Mati. That's a good question. So the way I kind of rationalize it um, for me is, you know, and this is overly simplistic, is that God, you know, wrote the movie, wrote the script. Um, It's kind of like this choose-your-own-path, and it's a movie playing out before him, and he knows how it ends. He knows how it ends, and he knows who survives at to the end of the the end of the the war movie or whatever, right? He knows who the survivors are, and he's we're watching this play out, and we're characters in this, right? So he knows everything. Whether he, Monty, where I think the free will comes in is whether he influences us coming to him or not, right? And I think there might be multiple versions. I think there might be people who are chosen. Who cut, who he says you're going to be mine, and and maybe there are people who it's our choice to go, um, and 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 you know I think it would be really hard to say no to God if He's standing right in front of you and saying you're mine, <laughs> right? I mean He's kind of tipped the scales there in your decision matrix pretty darn, uh, uh, you know. Well, the scriptures say, the Lord, how about the Lord said, many are called, few are chosen. Right. Many are called. Right. So you, you, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, he got seriously drafted. He was confronted. Think about it. He, he's like a guy who was an enemy of God, an enemy of Christ, thinking he's doing God's work. He, he's like some kind of a jihadist. You know, he's, he is believing that his killing people is actually doing God's work. And he's on his way to do more of that. Boom! Christ reveals himself to him by a blinding light and a voice. And, you know, Saul of Tarsus has only one question. Who, who are you, Lord? And when he gets informed, I'm the one you're persecuting. I am Jesus, Messiah, the one you're persecuting. I'm Yeshua. Saul of Tarsus goes, it's one of those, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement, right? He's like, that's a no, that's an oh shit. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't remember who my audience is here. That's it. <laughs> Instantly, all he can do is go, 
okay, what do you want me to do? Yeah. That's it. What wilt thou have me to do? His conversion is the sudden awareness that the enemy he is persecuting is right before him and is, in fact, God. And his conversion happens. He dies, and another man was born right there. No more Saul of Tarsus. He becomes Paul, the apostle. Right. So I want to talk about the opposite. Shanghai. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He was in it, literally hit upside the head practically. Um, right. So for those other, for those. Uh, which, oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you. He, he calls himself the prisoner of Christ. Wow. He yeah. He calls himself a bond slave. Yeah. He's like, I'm glad to be. But his, his testimony was, he took me prisoner. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of us, we. We have this perception that, well, yeah, I think I need the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's what I need the Lord. That's it. I become <laughs> oozing on in a little less dramatic. You know, yeah, yeah. Wow. Have a growing sort of revelation. Yeah. Wow. I really did need the Lord. And there's others who have that soul of Tarsus condition. Yeah. So I have a question on that, and I believe it's Paul uh, because he loved his country so much. I want to talk to the to to something that I believe that I have been guilty of. I believe I've made a false idol out of my nation, and I remember there's a uh, I believe it was Paul who said, "I will gladly, you know, like Paul will gladly," and I'm paraphrasing, uh, "burn in hell for eternity to save Israel," you know, uh, or something like that. Can you talk about that a little but bit? He said that in Romans, he testified of his love for his people, his his ethnic reality. The Jews, the Israelites. He said, I, "If I, yeah, I would be accursed if it meant their salvation." I guess here's the challenge: is try to extrapolate this to the love that we have for an individual. It is right that we should love a friend. Right that we should love a brother. It's it's right that we should be willing to die for somebody. We really say we love them. Greater love has no man than this. That a man would lay down his life for his friend. That's what the Lord says. What can I can I can I can I stop you for one second, Ken? The position you were just in, where you were leaning forward, the mic was really clear. Sometimes there's an echo in your office and some stuff. So um, guys are asking me to turn you up a little bit, if I could. Yeah, <laughs> if I could turn you up. So I. <laughs> so no, go ahead. So you have a friend. Here's the thing. You got a friend, and you'll love him. You'd die for him. But um, at the same time, that friend has got choices to make, free moral agency. And you might even say to that friend, listen, you and I will walk together. I will go as long as we're on the same course. But if you deviate, then there's going to there's gonna come a point where we're going to part, despite my love for you. Because And it's not me that's leaving, it's you. This right. deviated from the path we were on together. I, I love America as, you know, I, I love America as a concept, as the Constitution, as a collection of ideas, ideas that happen to agree with the Scripture. Those ideas that agree with the Scripture, you know, the, the, the revelation that we're sinners and that we cannot be trusted with much, especially power, is based on Scripture. It is, you know, the, the reality that power corrupts and, you know, we, we've established 
checks and balances and limits because we we agree what the scripture reveals about us being sinners and people are sinful it's that revelation that made us uh, how do I say this it is the concept that our father, our forefathers said that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inevitable rights there's a concept we can build on what if America no longer believes that. What if, what if the nation ceases to believe, A, that there's a creator, and B, that we're created equal? Right now, you know that we're not. Right now, the left is more equal than us. They, they don't believe in free speech anymore. They believe in free speech for every leftist. So you have to acknowledge that, that America, the thing that made us what we were, it doesn't exist right now. Jay. Yeah, it, that's what we were talking about. Has already been lost. Yeah, and and, um, and the only place where where I find that thing that I love is within biblical Christianity, with, within the kingdom of God, and that's something that crosses all the borders of all the lines that are drawn by man upon the globe. Um, I, I have brothers and sisters, people of like mind. In, uh, in you know living under Putin's tyranny, you know we can we can communicate uh, long distance. We uh, occasionally meet up at you know conferences, but there's something that is more dear to me. But it's it's that like-mindedness, I, the love that I have for America and what America was, is something I still have within the family of God. Yeah, uh, um, in the kingdom of God, where we have a. And so, ultimately, you know, what if uh, what if the America that was the beacon to the world, the America that was the shining city on a hill, is no longer that? It becomes something else. Instead, we have uh, our leaders have been bought. Our leaders have become the traitors that have thrown open the gates and allowed the invasion. The invasion of uh, Chinese money and corruption. Uh, there's just there's just there's so much to that. that uh, so uh, the thing that we love is it material? Is it something you can actually go to? Well, it once was, but it's not now. It it exists as concepts, and I, I have a deep love for the Constitution. I have a deep love for the history. I have a love for the founding fathers. I, I love my fellow Americans intensely, but America as it once was ceased to exist, if not sooner, it definitely ceased to exist one week ago. Yeah, I had to reconcile myself to this yesterday, and yesterday was literally one of the darkest days of my life, where I just sat down and, and it, the realization sunk into me that the freedom in the country that I was gifted, right, and that Lauren was gifted and that you were gifted from men who were willing to sacrifice all. Sacrifice all who bled, died, you know, by countless numbers is gone and it was taken from us and we did nothing. We did nothing. And that's the part that really upsets me the most. Because I don't look at this, Ken, as a an election and we were outvoted, right? I don't look at it that way. I look at it this as a... As a the Chinese government took over our nation without firing a shot, and I look at it as a hostile invasion, and I don't know what to do, 
And, you know, I watched your, you know, and this is a good transition to go to your, your sermon. And, um, you know, I also, before I do that, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about prayer, right? Particularly as an atheist, I struggled with prayer because I saw, I saw so many prayers not being answered, right? The Bible is, you know, is very definitive in it where it says, wherever two or three or more of you gather in my name and you're in agreement, it shall be done. Well, there's a lot of things that are done in agreement like that that are never done, right? And again, I'm misquoting here. I'm paraphrasing, and forgive me for my lack of ignorance. Um, and I, and, you know, and to me, I thought my to myself that you know, I believe hundreds of millions of people around the world, you know, people who watch this show from Russia, from uh, Israel, from you know, South America, from China, from wherever, say, we are all praying for you, your America right now. As one, we are all praying for you. And what I wonder, you know, you made a very good example of your childhood, of, you know, your father dying and you prayed for it not to be true, right? The time travel aspect of this. And I think that, you know, and again, God doesn't need an alibi from me, right? He doesn't need an alibi from me. What I was hoping, or what I what I came up with was, I think possibly after 2016, after Trump surprised everyone and won the election, that that literally by 2018 this election was already done, meaning that forces were in motion, dominion was done, and the time to pray was way before then, and we didn't do it, and that that so so I just wanted to put that theory out there for you. No, I agree with you. And it is, uh, it is a reality that what the election of 20, uh, 2016 was in many ways miraculous. Mm-hmm. In many ways, it was a miracle. Mercy of God. But ultimately, what I had, what I was preaching on Sunday and the, and the place that I had to come to and the place of encouraging the church to sort of follow me in is that I think we need to acknowledge that, you know, the Trump presidency, the, Trump presidency, the whole, the, the mega doctrine has much in agreement with biblical thinking. That's the reason why, I, you know, I came around. I was not a Trump guy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would never be called a Trumper, but that guy agreed with the agenda that I believe in. Right. That guy agreed with it, and that guy was willing to fight for it, pay the price for it, and by doing that, he, uh, you know, he won my, he won my heart. I love the guy. His flaws, all my, all my friends are flawed. I'm flawed, so I can. His flaws aren't so bad that I can't really respect and truly admire it. However, as a nation, Jay. I laid out our sins nationally on Sunday. And I think the ones that grieve God the most, I and mean, I think we're guilty of a lot nationally. We were a nation that did something that no other nation did. We initiated a covenant with God. I say we, our forefathers, the founders of this country, and particularly George Washington, laying his hand on the open page of Deuteronomy 28, invoking upon this young nation all of the blessings and all of the cursings that God had extended to the nation of Israel, a covenant people. But in, in Israel's case, God initiated the covenant. 
in our case, our forefathers, they said, you know what, Israel violated that covenant. But we will, we'd volunteer for it. And they, they made their appeal to God. said, God, offer us that deal. We'll be your people. And we'll honor your law and your commands. And we, we would invite all of the blessings, but also all the cursings associated with those who turn their back on your commands. Well, we had a good century and a half when America was the light to the world. We were, um, we were like no other. And, and the blessings to such a degree that this nation was not only richer than all the nations on earth, we were richer than all the nations on earth combined. And we used that wealth and that power for good. We were, um, we were what everybody wanted to be. But the last century has seen major changes. We quit being that America. When we allowed the Supreme Court to kick God and his commandments, the Bible and everything connected with God out of public education, when we discern, when we determined, when the Supreme Court interpreted the separation clause as they did, that Congress shall enact no law regarding the establishment of religion, when they said, based on that, the Establishment Clause, Christianity and the Bible cannot be part of our education, when we did that, we deviated from what we had been doing for a century and a half, and when we did that, we established education as religious schools, only not Christian. They became secular, humanist, Darwinian, they, the, our schools became religious institutions. They didn't cease to be religious. I had this, I had this debate with a local rabbi on talk radio, and the rabbi kept saying, if you want a religious education, you go to a religious school. And I said to him, Rabbi, there is no such thing as a non-religious school. If there is no religion, then that becomes the religion. The exactly. absence of religion is religion. You just established an atheist school, that, an it, atheist training yeah, and that's exactly what Lauren and I grew up in in the Northeast, right? We were never yes. given a chance to embrace Christianity or anything else because we were told all their theories, right? And they presented to us that there was no God and that, you know, and, and so how many of us, like we're now generations deep into that and we're seeing the AOCs and we're seeing, and now they're getting into office and into power and heading up companies. I mean, look at the most powerful people in the world. They're not in their sixties. Most powerful people in the world are young adults who created these tech companies who are influencing and skewing everything. And they're just shattered, broken people. And, they're, and our generation made those people. Yes. Our parents... And our generation created this generation that will be the first generation to execute us when we're old and no longer productive. Yeah, yeah, it's uh... you know, the, so so that so that in in 1973, that same Supreme Court, and we've allowed it to be the law of the land. Open season on little baby humans, and you can murder them if you catch them in season. There's there's a season where you can and you can murder a person. You just got to catch them in that little window. Now, if you if you kill them after that, you're poaching. Right. So, you know, we, so we have slaughtered a million and a half babies on average every single year since then. It just keeps, it, it, it grows. So there's a, we have funded, we have funded that slaughter with our tax dollars. So we're, you know, you, you, it just keeps piling up, Jay. What I'm saying is 
what we have done nationally, what we've allowed to happen, um, you know, 2005, same Supreme, I'm sorry, 2015, the Supreme Court redefines marriage, makes same-sex marriage the law. And, and that is a, a another just uh, a direct attack on God's creation. It's a direct attack on what God instituted and the corruption. So what do we export now? We, we were a nation that once exported freedom. We, we For 150 years, Christianity was what we exported. We sent missionaries to the entire world. What do we export now? We, we export porn. You know, we, we export Hollywood lewdness. We're, we're, uh, we are a nation now that does not honor God. In fact, we do these things to offend him so much. And the offenses are so great. But I'm telling you something, what I said on Sunday, the only time that Jesus Christ really gets graphic, the only time he gets, he starts, when he's talking, he, he goes dark and he starts talking hell. It, he does that. Like in Matthew chapter 18, when he's talking about, if you mess up one of these little kids, the Lord said, you would be better off to have a millstone tied around your neck and you cast into the depths of the sea with it than to be guilty of causing one of these little ones to stumble, morally stumble, to send right. a, a kid down the path of immorality. And what are we doing? Our schools are teaching kids to use their anuses, yep. the waste excretion system for sex. We're teaching, we're, mut Jason, we're, we're mutilating these kids with hormones. We're mutilating them with a surgeon's the scalpel after we've mutilated their minds and thrown them into confusion. And now little boys are being raised like they're girls. Little girls are trying to be, become boys. It is criminal. Our offense against God, what we've done with the kids nationally, is inviting the judgment of God. And so I, I personally believe that God's mercy has been great toward us. And we have known uh, freedom. We've known prosperity. I, I think the four years of Trump uh, presidency and all of the, the wisdom that was applied that made prosperity happen once again was all of that. That was the mercy of God. And what do we do? Nationally, we rejected it. And, and we did. All right, there, there's a million, there's net what? 75, they say, 80 million of us that didn't. Well, we're a minority. And the vast majority either did not vote for him or they voted for the other guy. So, you know, the few of us that voted for the guy who was actually applying what looked like, you know, really biblical wisdom, Dude, we got outvoted. And I, I think they did steal. I think they, they, you know, the mathematical improbabilities of what happened in those six, you know, states in the middle of the night. Still, there, if, um, there are so many of us, 350 million people, and there are so many. I, I think the thing that, that grieves me more than anything else is the number of evangelical Christians who are not Bible thinkers anymore. They're, they're biblically illiterate. And dude, Jay, the Christianity in America has become so corrupt. It is as badly bought as the members of Congress. Yeah. Our seminaries are taking Soros money. Yep. Our, 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 our biggest seminaries in America are taking George Soros money and producing a, a product of, uh, you know, the, the same little punks that are running those big tech companies that we created. They got their um, they got their pastor equivalent. They got their celebrity pastor equivalents that are in ministry and in media. Um, you know they're 
they're all woke and BLM, and you know they they're sympathetic to those causes. Um, judgment is is what I believe America is inviting as a nation. Personally, I, I believe our fight. I, I can't say I can't speak for you. I can't I can't speak for guys like Monty or anybody else. I, I can speak for Peyton Kendrick. I believe that the sword that I am to fight with is the sword of truth. It is the word of God. I am to continue to contend all the way to my imprisonment, which is what I'm expecting in the next few years. I'm expecting that my continued defiance of unconstitutional uh, executive orders, the suspension of our representative government, and uh, our suspension of our religious freedom, and our right to peaceful assembly, as I continue to defy that, I'm going to get locked up sooner or later. As I continue to teach this whole Bible, there are portions of this book that are already banned in you know leftist governments, and they will be here. So I don't plan to take up a sword, a carnal weapon, and fight that cause. I will fight that cause in court. I will fight that cause all my way to prison, making my case, and I will continue to stand against that and here's what I know all around the world and all down through 20 centuries I, see this, that's important Jay I've got I got 20 centuries of history to the kingdom of God 20 centuries of history to the church and the last 250 years of American history are a little tiny fragment of that all around the world right now do you know that do you know what the biggest boom and healthiest church in the world is actually in communist China where it's against the law. Yep. They, the believers in China outnumber all the other nations in the world. Yeah, there's a... There, every... Go ahead. Yeah, there's a saying that, you know, tough times create strong men who create good times and good times create weak men who create bad times, right? <laughs> and it's that cycle that goes all the way through. Cycle. You know, and one of... But the, 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 everywhere there is tyranny, at the same time, there is spiritual awakening, revival. Everywhere there is tyranny, there is courage standing against it, courage that's willing to pay the price and willing to, to go to prison, willing to die. That kind of courage on display changes minds. It changes hearts. And so that's my mission. Okay, I've got, I've got a couple questions for you. Embracing. Got a couple questions yeah. for you. So I'll take Lawrence and then Monty's got another one. Um, if we have reached the stage of God's wrath or judgment, does that lessen the power of our prayers to change the outcome? Does he essentially say too, too little, too late, time for consequences? Well, no, actually, this is the earlier discussion we had with regard to free will, is that our prayers are important. <clears throat> but our prayers alone to God don't violate the will of the rest of America who wants to go in the exact opposite direction. So what we are doing is we make our appeal to God on behalf of the nation, praying for the nation. It's like praying for your friends, like praying for an individual. I can pray for my buddy, but he's going down all these bad roads. He's now drinking, he's beating his wife, now he's going to lose everything. He's Now he's, he's hanging out with these guys and heading toward a life of crime. All my prayers for him affect my presentation to him. But I can't get God to make him be good. 
and I can't get Amer God to make America be good. I, I, um, I don't believe that, you know, the fact that we're, we're waiting on in to the judgment of God. We, we have known uh, Deuteronomy 28, first 14 verses, the high degree of blessing. No nation on earth has ever been blessed like America. Right. The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 describe that blessed state, and we have lived it. We've enjoyed it. But the other part that was invoked on our nation by our, our nation's father um, is 56 verses of the degree to which we'll be cursed. And I think we've begun to, we've stepped in that direction. Now, even in the middle of the judgment of God on the nation, I believe there's a great opportunity to change minds, a great opportunity for spiritual revival, kind of spiritual revival that affects the course of the nation. And also, in fact, I think it was only the prayers of God's people that gave us those four years with Trump. I think, again, I say that was like massive mercy from God that we didn't get Hillary. Well, that came and went. And now what do we got? We got a worse than Hillary. We got a Kabbalah. Right. Right. We got a Jezebel. Yeah. But there was a, a prophets like Elijah that had to stand against Jezebel. And we who are still here, still part of the nation, still citizens of this country, we have an obligation to, to resist and stand against that and that agenda and speak the truth. I don't think that the fact that we're beginning to experience some of the curses changes uh, the power of God at work in our nation. I think God is still very much at work, even while he, I don't know, how do you say it? Even, it's kind of it's kind of crazy because I, I was just talking about this with the guys in CRD. I go visit people in jail who are in there for crimes they committed. And they'll go, I don't know why God is doing this to me. <laughs> I'm going, you don't know why God didn't stop you from yeah. robbing? Yeah. And, and, and right now, I don't think we can say, why is God doing this? Our nation's doing it. Free will of the masses, free will of the crooks, the free will of the corrupt members of our nation's Congress. We, um, our forefathers, if they looked at what we got going right now, they looked at our federal government, would be appalled. Yep. They warned about these days. They warned about everything that we're seeing right now. Well, yeah. and, and that's what I'm so sad about, Ken, is I'm sad that our generation, you know, um, or the, in this lifetime, I don't know how to call it a generation, but basically <laughs> your generation boomers, you're a boomer, right? You're a baby boomer? I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're, and then, uh, and then my generation, which is the next one after that. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> that we got so busy and so comfortable and that we traded comfort for freedom and convenience for freedom. And, you know, right now there is a very large section of this population who is heartbroken and doesn't know how to move forward. And there's a very small percentage of this population that wants to do something and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to act out. My advice to everyone out there is everyone, just like everyone's testimony in Christ is a gift to somebody else, right? Somebody who finds God at seven 
may not relate to somebody that's 45 who finds God, right? Somebody else who's 45 or struggled through life as an atheist will probably relate more to them. Somebody who's a drug addict relates to other drug addicts and helps them with their testimony, right? Just like testimonies are all the same, the gifts that God gave us in our capacity that we've had in our in our in our life, whether it be you as a pastor, your your calling and what you're doing right now is what I believe you're supposed to be doing. For those of us who have skill sets that our experience and our testimony gave us, I think that we're all supposed to work within that experience for the good of you know, consistent with Christ. Right is what I what what I believe, and again I can't say that that's true. It's what I believe. It's my opinion, right? So, um, you know, I think every one of us has to figure out what we're going to do. I know that you said, you know, in your um, sermon that it's past the time for a tactical thing, and I'm not so sure about that. But I don't know what it looks like, and I know it's terrible, and I know that there's a lot of things. But what I think needs to happen right now, like the 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 safest, calmest, peaceful, most peaceful thing to do, in my opinion, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, is I think we need to get our house clean, right? Meaning we need to work on our own foundations. And what I think that means is moving to a Christian community, finding a good place to raise your family and getting grounded and expanding that influence out from there. Like you've been doing that your whole life, Ken, in a little known place called Orrington, you know, uh, Maine, right? So you go across that water and it's LGBTQ rainbow flags, the whole works and it's secularism on one side of the bridge. You come over that bridge and it's something completely different. It's American flags. It's, you know, second amendment. It's God fearing people doing things. And I think this is the time for us. We can't, you know, the cities, I, you know, I hate to say this. I feel like the cities are lost, right? There's just too much influence wherever there are are colleges, right? And if you look at Boston, for example, Boston, I think has more colleges per capita than anywhere. That's so much secularism that one little church in there that may be preaching God's word while well, the rest of them are teaching a mishmash or whatever. You have no hope, but you can take a lesson from the Amish. The Amish have been living unchanged to their beliefs, whatever they are. I don't even know what their beliefs are, to be honest with you. But those people, they, they've got their community tight, and I think we can do that. And then once we get ourselves square and we get our Christian schools and we push off secularism and we become the next noise arcs wherever we are right little arcs and little places little places of righteousness where we can do our influence and get on god's page and and grow those numbers i think to me that's what i you know i feel kind of like is a good position for us to be in until there is another movement whether it's a secession which may be a pipe dream or or something else until battle lines are drawn and we can sit there and say, I'm declaring for this side or that side. What do you, can I get your thoughts on that? Well, I, I believe you're right about our great need for uh, community. We, we cannot live. I shouldn't say we can't. We just shouldn't live in isolation. We should come together with like-minded people. See, that's what I believe church is supposed to be. That doesn't matter where it is whether it's rural, I, I agree with you about urban areas, yet I've got a brother sitting in the room who's uh, pastor in a little church in, in the hood in Newark, New Jersey. 
a black man. Everybody around him is either BLM or Crips or Bloods. And he's just right there in the middle of all of that, being a pastor and saving babies' lives and adopting children and taking people into his home. Um, and be, the, the community that, he, that he's built, that community of believers, which is just a little Calvary Chapel, Newark, is a light in the middle of all that craziness. And I think it, but they need each other. People, we need each other. The, the whole thing we've been fighting with our state for ever since this COVID, uh, you know, government response <clears throat> has been that you cannot tell us that we cannot come together. We must come together. We're commanded by God to come together. We have needs, spiritual needs, that are real, that are met by being together in fellowship. Not only that, we've got to be helping each other out through these hard times, and not just each other. We have the um, Galatians 6.10 command to be sure to do good to everybody, but especially those who are of the household of faith, that we should be helping each other. There should be a special effort made by every Christian to help out his, his brother. And I think those um, those communities of believers, that the Bible calls, you know, churches, they're lights. They're, they're important lights. I don't think that we have to come all the way out and isolate in order for us to come together. We can come together and be right in the middle of all of that crazy. Although you know how I am about rural living versus urban. I'm, I'm glad somebody's called to urban because I ain't. I visit those cities and I visit those communities and I'm humbled by what they're doing. And I get to visit there and, and encourage them, you know, from the scripture. But really, I am truly humbled by the standard that they take. When I go into South Central Los Angeles and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, addressing an audience of believers, almost all of them are, you know, five and a half foot tall Mexicans with bullet scars on their face. Right. And ink. Right. But they've come to Christ and what they're doing, having put their the weapons down and come together and feeding the hungry and reinforcing and helping each other, helping the, the, you know, the fatherless kids, those things are truly admirable. Truly. They are the things that make a difference. And I think that's the stuff that has the potential of growing and changing the culture more than anything else. People coming together, standing together, reinforcing each other, love and truth, speaking the truth and love, standing for what is right, that's the best chance we have to affect lasting yeah. change. May I speak to, on Sorry, something yeah, here for a second? Yeah, go ahead. So, no, well, the way I envision this is kind of, you know, again, I'm not saying a retreat from the world. The people like, you know, the, the, the brother that's in the room there with you, I look at them like special forces behind enemy lines, Right. I'm looking at those like they have a very profound effect and they are force multipliers where they are. And those are very important and winning them and winning people over. But what I'm talking about is kind of like what you're doing with CRD, right? If you CRD would never be as successful in the middle of the city in their environment surrounded by sin everywhere, right? It, it, it couldn't be, it would be very hard. Well, put it I that way. Some, I know some, I know some people are doing it. It would be challenging, but there's some good programs right now good in Kensington. But also, there's times when they got to get out of Kensington, they'll still come up here, you know, outside Philadelphia in the war zone, Kensington. And we, we partner up quite a bit. But there's there's, a, there's definite advantages to doing this stuff in rural settings. You know, I, there's also great opportunities that open up to people in the, in the, in the you know, it's kind of like this. People come out of there, come 
here to get strong to go back there and make a difference. That's that's exactly what I was talking about. They're almost missionaries, yeah. right? And yeah. to have your fortress of a place where everyone comes and gets strong, yeah. where it's grounded, where, yeah. you know, and then then they go out and go into those missionary locations. You don't have to go to Zimbabwe to be a missionary. You know what I'm saying? You know, especially with as secular as America is and how you're going to be attacked yeah. here right now. And I just really yeah. feel like that, you know, for people who are on the fringes right now, who are not well-grounded, who are angry and who want to do things, I think there is something that can be very healing for them to get, come back, consolidate in a community, get peace and then start figuring maybe once they're grounded and once they see that this can be done then they start taking ground in philly or in the tougher areas or wherever they feel called to go right you know but that that's my point on that yeah it's good good thing all right so um you know jenny lee has a a uh, delano has a, a question here we cannot leave those bad people and still expect to bring people to christ right if you live with other Christians, how do you help the lost? Um, you know, I'll, I'll throw that to you. Yeah, no, I, I certainly don't mean coming out from the world. Something the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth in First Corinthians chapter 5. Matter of fact, he said, he goes, listen, I wrote to you guys not to keep company with wicked people. He said, I wasn't talking about the wicked people of this world. He said, for that, you'd have to leave this world. He goes, no, I was talking about people that live wickedly, but they call themselves a believer. They call themselves Christians. He clarified that. And um, no, I'm not talking about escaping the world. Literally. I'm talking about just coming together for fellowship to reinforce each other. We we have a... Um, we, we, we have an important role in each other's lives. So in order for that to, to actually happen, we have to come together, speak the word of God to each other, pray for each other. We come together, but then we leave and go back to the neighborhood we live in. We go to the job that we work in. We go over to the school that we are attending. And so basically everybody comes together for equipping and goes back out in order to, to win everybody. I got a lot of um, high maintenance, crazy lost friends. I stay involved in their life as well. But what I'm stressing is the importance of fellowship. That we need to not try to do all of this stuff on our own, alone. Um, there's no lone rangers. It's the kingdom of God. God wants us to be interdependent upon one another. Yeah. Um, so, Monty, I don't know if I answered your question a little bit earlier. Um, you know, he had a question. Yes, how much do we take? When do we act? Do we turn the other cheek or do we, um, you know, and he said, you know, kick booty, um, you know, and again, I think that that depends, you know, that depends on your skill set, the time, tactics, things, situation, you know, um, all those different things. I think right now, you know, the whole world is still holding its breath to the 20th to see what happens. You know, there's calls. I would discourage anyone from going to any of these cap armed capital uh, protests that are going out there. I think that those are all possibilities for things to go horribly wrong for them to paint some things. And I, and I think the only person that I will do anything for right now is Donald Trump. If he says something and I've seen so much stuff out there that says he says stuff and he hasn't trust me. If Trump says something, it's going to be out there and you're not going to be able to get away from it. Right. 
Um, so my advice to everyone is consolidate, 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 particularly if you're wounded right now, right? If you're wounded and weak right now, that's not the time to be pushing out and doing, you know, irrational things. It's time to consolidate on your base, get around a bunch of strong brothers and sisters in Christ and work on your faith, get grounded and then make decisions, right? That's what I really want to stress because I know guys who are really hurting, Ken, and there are, there are, there are irrational people on every side of every argument, on every side of this, right? There are Trump people out there who are ready to do extreme violence, and there are people on the left who are ready to do extreme violence. And I unfortunately predict that we're going to start seeing mass shootings and like Northern Ireland car style bombings and things like that uh, in here in the future. And, and then we're going to segregate into tribalism, right? Like, you know, we're going to, we've been blessed to get away from that over here, right? Like, if you look at the Arab world, they're still at war with one another thousands of years later. And those wounds are so deep and everyone gets so contaminated that, you know, it took a long time for Ireland to heal between the Protestants and the Catholics. And I, I don't know enough about, I haven't been to Ireland, so I don't know if it's truly healed or if it's simmering under the surface still. Yeah. You know, that could be here tomorrow where somebody detonates a car bomb and kills a little girl who's this and that, and then all of her family members and on and it's the unintended consequences that spiral out of control and then the retaliations. And, you know, so right now I, I can't stress the importance of people, particularly, um, if everyone in, like, if you're in Massachusetts and you're the only one who had a Trump sign in your yard, if something bad happens, they're coming to your door. Your neighbors are going to throw bricks through your yard, your window. They're going to, you know, all those things. And I know people are experiencing that persecution right now. So, uh, I, again, I think this is a time, you know, for cool heads to, uh, to play almost a zone defense. If you understand the old football, I know none of us watch football anymore because we've turned our back on professional sports, but playing a nice zone defense. And sometimes the best offense is a great defense. Uh, you know, that's when you get your intersections and you score your touchdowns and, you know, cause fumbles and all those things. So, you know, I, I really think right now we have to see what is happening in the world, get around each other, reinforce each other, and really, really, really keep calm and be smart and wise. And, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, this is what the Lord Jesus told the disciples to be wise as serpents while they are as harmless as doves. Yeah, in uh, Jay, I, I just believe that, that Monty's question, how should we take, when do we, when do we find out, when is there, you know, enough, enough, Again, the question itself reveals that it's not time to do as the founders of our nation did. They started a revolution against the British Empire. The revolution was the result of a changed culture. The revolution was the result of a changed ethic that the colonies under the influence of the Protestant Reformation, under the influence of the Great Awakening in colonial America, they had completely different notions about what freedom was and about the role of governments. And it was that culture, it was out of that culture that revolution came, that resistance to that tyranny 
was an expression of all of that, that culture. We don't have that kind of culture. We don't bring about that culture first. If we don't focus on changing minds and actually winning the, the hearts of people, it comes right down to do we want to beat them or win them? And my objective is to win them. I think that oh, a war, an attempted revolution, a civil war right now would be more disastrous than anything that, you know, by the time the, the last civil war was over, three quarters of American Jews were dead. It was so absolutely tragic. Weaponry and the means to do more that has developed in the century and a half since that war would make it so much worse. It has to be, to me, it's going to be off the table. It's going to be something that we just, we, we focus on changing people's thinking. We bring, we got to bring about revival. I keep saying, the only, the American Revolution was the result of a spiritual revival that changed culture. If we try to do a revolution without a changed culture, without a revival, it will not be a revolution, just be a civil war. It'll just be an awful, disastrous, massive uh, slaughter. And, and the well, won't stop. Well, I, I, I disagree with you because I don't think it would be um, north and south, picking lines, tanks against tanks, planes against no. planes. No, I, You're right, it won't be. It would be an awful guerrilla war. Yeah. I think, you know, and again, I'm not calling for this. I'm not saying for this, but I think if, you know, somewhere between a hundred and a thousand very special people with high powered rifles could fix this in a matter of days, um, there would be complications and there would be things that would go out of there. And I think that it would be, um, there, there would be a lot of different challenges that would go with that. Um, but I think it would be, you know, again, I don't know. I, I don't think it, all I know is doing nothing. It seems so hard, Ken, for us to overcome big yeah. tech. It seems so hard for us to overcome the media. It seems so hard to yeah. overcome those when they don't fear us, respect us, consider us. They do whatever they want. And they, for the first time in history, they can isolate us worse than before. Like with the invention of Facebook and tech and social media, they can like being on the street corner. They, we can't compete with those tactics, you know, where they can say something and reach billions of people and we can only go within earshot because they censor us with everybody everything but within earshot is my point yeah i certainly don't think we should do nothing yeah doing nothing would be frustrating that's why i think that doing everything we can to change people's minds doing everything we can to win the argument and then even you know fighting for the right to, to be in the argument yeah it's got its challenges yeah i'm hoping with you this is going to be harder than it had been, but I'm still in this fight to change people's minds. Well, I, th I think changing people's minds is the ultimate goal, and, ch and changing people's hearts is the ultimate goal. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that Alan West or some other leader is going to come forward and give us a plan or a direction that we could cling to, or or move to. Uh, you know, our number one problem on our side of the aisle is we're all alpha males and we all think we know best. And it really made a, a disjointed movement, right? You know, one of the things that the left did really well during this time frame was they got behind one message, BLM. They got lockstep and behind BLM. 
And that was the agenda they put out, and that's the message they said. Said whereas if you just look at it, you know, if you just look at any of our things, we had the Jericho March, the March for this, the March for that, all these different things. We didn't have an overall message. I, I you know, and again, it's hard to be critical because I think we won, but it's just I really think that you know that we have so many alpha personalities. Everyone's so entrepreneurial. Everyone thinks all this that it's all these competing ideas, and because of that, we're not we don't have a unifying leader right now under, you know, which would, I hope what Alan West would be or somebody else. I'm just throwing his name out there. Cause I think he'd be very effective. Um, I've spoken to him in person. I've interviewed him and he's, you know, a Bible believing, you know, God first person. And I think he sees this situation clearly, but, um, you know, so, so I don't really have anywhere to go with that. I just, I'm just saying that I, you know, uh, I really hope that we can, we have to do something. We can't do nothing. And, what, and like you're saying, winning hearts and minds at the church level or like you're the brother there in that room who's pushing into enemy lines and literally doing that in the hardest places imaginable, uh, I think is, is, is one tactic. And then the rest of us have to figure out how we can contribute in whatever way. Yeah, I agree. Changing minds have got to be our goal, our yeah. primary goal. And one at a time, or, you know, yeah. God opens the door for, for us to do more. And, you know, the other thing is we're going to see what develops, what, what movement rises. You know. And this is a time of, uh, I mean, this is a test, Ken. This is a time for us to, to lean further into God. So if I can, just to give a little personal testimony, I was in a very dark place and very, you know, in despair. And the only way I get out of despair is, you know, for me, I have to deliberately pursue things in order to make progress, right? I don't accidentally build a rocket ship. I don't accidentally build a house. I don't actually get accidentally get good at something. I have to do it. So when I was in my despair, instead of going my habitual way of getting angry and feeding that, because that's my reflex, I had to pursue God. I had to go all in and do something new and pursue my relationship to God and drive into him. And that's where I found my peace and how I get out of that. And there was a lot of, you know, and, and but how did I do that? Community, right? I call one of my brothers who I know has my best interest in mind, no matter what, whether he agrees with me or not. And we had shouting match on the phone, a loving shouting match. Right. Like Lauren was upstairs. Like, what were you fighting with Mike about? I'm like, we weren't fighting. We were just passionately. He was passionately, you know, um, talking to me and fighting for what he thought was best for me versus what I thought was best for me. And that's what it's like to have Christian brothers. Right. Where it's not an agenda. He wasn't trying to push an agenda on me. He was seeing things because I was considering myself a coward. You know, I can, you know, I, I was sitting there saying, I love my stuff in the world and I love my family too much to go out and do what needs to be doing or any of those other things. And he's like, that is not true. He's like, that is the most ridiculous thing ever. And, you know, and we just had at it because I was just at this place where I have this mindset that I always feel like I can be part of the solution. And I, historically it would have been just Jay's solution and I need to figure out what God's solution was. So by leaning into him and coming here and trying to take everybody who's feeling like me and helping them to find a way to deal with this, I think is what 
I, you know, I'm supposed to do now and what I'm trying to do yeah. with this episode with you. And I don't know to what effect, um, but you know, you know, can you talk about pursuing God? Um, and you know, cause sometimes particularly diving into, you know, the new King James version, which I know is your go-to. And I think you use the ESV after sometimes Ken, when I pick up, when I try to dive into God like that, it seems like I'm reading a foreign language sometimes and it, and it gets a little tough. Um, so, so can you talk about how a new, someone new to faith could lean into God and, you know, and what they should do? I know you have certain Psalms you read. I know you, you know, certain things you meditate on and just talk about that. And then we can wrap this up because I'm sure you have other things. I highly recommend two things. Number one, that a person who comes to the Bible, humbles himself before it and goes, this is actually a supernatural book. I, you know, I, I, it's not like anything else you're going to read. So number one, I think a person should come to the Bible, say, God, open my eyes and pray to God, to the Lord, you know, speak to me from this. If we come to the word humbly, um, we've got to get a whole lot more out of it. And, and then also you come with the understanding that uh, I'm not going to understand everything I read all the time. But as I continue to gain knowledge, a little understanding here is going to help me understand something over there. And I just got to keep, you know, just keep reading prayerfully. Um, but I also then secondly recommend a, um, a reading plan. I think those are smart. They get these ones they published called the one year Bible. Yep. That divides your reading up. So you've got a portion of new Testament, a little portion of old Testament, a parallel journey and a schedule. And you got some of the poetic books of the Psalms. I think people that do read that thrive. And uh, I've said this before to people, and I, I highly recommend, on top of all of those other things, that you get, um, we've got such gadgetry we, we, in our phones. We, we can access podcasts, and we can access a whole archive of a good teacher taking a, a, their students through the Bible the whole Bible, verse by verse, not going on and on and on. Not like these celebrity TV guys who stand there, they'll quote a verse and then talk for an hour. You know, they, instead, they should be going, right, here's what the book said. Go right through the chapter, line by line, verse by verse. Read it, give the sense, compare it to other parts of the Bible, and, and that. So I think exposition, going through the Bible with somebody expositionally, um, is the smartest thing you can do grow in your knowledge of the Word of God and your relationship with God that ultimately comes right out of it. Everything changed in my life when I just spent my time talking to God I could not see and asking that he would talk to me through the text, and he texted me. So I was just reading the Bible and praying. Yeah, that's one of the most... Hanging out with... Sorry, go ahead. Just hanging out with God, hanging yeah. out in the woods, spending time... Talking about life and things came together. One of the things that I love that you say is that God texted you because that's so warm because your friends text you, right? And, you know, and I think that's such a clever use of that, um, you know, and, you know, as far as, as, as that goes. Um, I know that you used to be on Facebook and you took a, st uh, a principled stance and you've come off of Facebook doing your daily teachings. Are you still doing your daily teachings and when can... Are, are where can people find you for your daily things well, if you're doing them anymore? There's a there's a link on our website. That our website is ccbangor, 
www.vimeo.org. And there's a video link that takes you to our Vimeo account. So we, we, uh, I make the teachings available every single day and uh, teaching video. I, I deal with, I, my goal is one chapter of scripture every single day. I can usually get it done in about 20 minutes. And uh, Vimeo, the, the thing is, I just didn't want to be waiting for censorship or you know, totally understand Facebook. it. And you don't want to give them, I mean, the only reason why I'm there, uh, I'm still on Facebook is because that's still where the people are and I'm trying to keep a business afloat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you are. You know, um, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to support. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be waiting for that to censor me for content. I just said, I'm going to get ahead of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. So I, I just wanted to let everyone know where to find it. It's a little bit harder to find than having in your phone be like, boop, Ken is online right now, and then you can do it. So it's really, really valuable. One of the things that we're doing at Patriot Crusader Mission is we're doing a 90-day crucible where basically we're doing, you know, um, a, a Bible plan as a group uh, every day workouts as a day and then we're deliberately pursuing other aspects of our life whether it's making our you know investing in our families you know deliberately pursuing every day picking something in in addition to your bible reading in addition to getting your fitness straight in addition to training how to you know hit the bag or grappling or anything like that and then saying hey what have i done to reconnect with my wife this week not a darn thing. What have I done with my 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 kids, my son, my brothers who need me, or what? Just finding it and just and just stop letting everything be an accident, right? And just trying to do it deliberately. So that's something that we're doing, and we really love those Bible plans. So I'm doing um, the chronological Bible, where it goes, you know, through the Bible, you know, as it happened, um, and the time frame, and then we pick, you know, certain plans that that speak to challenges that I think our people are going through right now. So again, very, very, very good. And Ken, can you talk about your Sunday service where we can find you? I know there's a lot of people who still are not going to church or they're really far away from a good church and they might, might, you might've struck a chord with them and they might want to watch you on Sundays or any other day. Well, our church is just called Calvary Chapel. So we're in the Bangor, Maine area. So our website is ccbangor.org. And I've got the whole, actually the whole archive of our teaching through the Bible is available through that website. And you also can order a little thumb drive too. That little thumb drive has got the entire Bible taught from Genesis to Revelation. Twice. I'm just a simple guy. Twice you went through twice. it twice on that thumb twice, drive. Really? Yeah, it's in there twice. You did, you did, you did one like five years before, and then you did another one, and they put them both on there. It's a great thumb drive. It's called oh, God's. Wow. It's called God's sword, and it's on their website, and it's it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you know, I really like your. You know, that's a great one to have, and allows me to skip ahead where you're at if I'm in or if I've come with a question. Um, and it's all labeled, and it's labeled, and it's great. Um, you know, but I really like how you take today, like in your, your live presentations now, so many pastors don't roll the day's events and the challenges of today into their teachings. And I feel like you do when they apply. And I think that's so important because 
you know, the the Bible is great for solving the problems of the past. It's great for solving the problems of the present. And it's great for solving the problems of the future. And too many people only look backwards and they don't look forwards or, or, or respect where we are today on that. And I think your courageousness to do that at great risk to yourself and to your following and to everything else just shows you to be a champion for light. And I salute you on that. Is there anything else you want to say today before we go? No, I mean, I, I think that uh, Prophet Isaiah said something that is worth remembering. Um, he said, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts thee. Find that um, if I'm just looking at the realities of uh, life and then analyzing them from every angle, you know, half to death, I can find myself in a state of mind that is far from peace. My peace comes from, come back to the Lord, is a God. God who foresaw the days I'm living in, and a God who has a plan. And all through history, he's been there for people that came before, he'll be there for me. My, my focus is on him, complete peace. I trust him. I know you got this. Lord, whether I live or die, I am yours. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing here. I, I wish that for everybody, all your uh, followers, wish that everybody can have that, that perfect peace. It comes from just trusting God. Awesome. Can you pray us out, Ken, and we'll wrap this up? Yeah. Lord, please help us to look to you. Help us to look to you and agree with the things that your word says. I know that you are not in a panic. You are not in a panic because of what's happened, or what's happening. Give us wisdom. Help us to look to you. When everything else that is dear to us fails, Lord, help us, I pray, come to the place where we recognize we still have you, and we've got a place in your kingdom. And our minds would be more focused on heaven than they are on earth. I pray in the name of Christ, your Son, Amen. Thank you so much. I miss you so much, brother, and I miss everyone there. So God bless you and have a great one. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Go ahead. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Um, So Ken's going to log off right now. I'm going to stick around for a little bit um, if there's any other questions you guys want to talk about. Um, If you guys want to support this channel, you can support this channel in a few different ways. You can like. You can subscribe and you can share it. Okay. We also have a Patreon page that you can donate to do to help us. Uh, we really appreciate you doing all that. The most important thing you can do is like subscribe and share. We are shadow banned on Facebook and we are shadow banned on YouTube. Meaning that if you guys don't help us reach other people, we are not going to reach them. Okay. Um, we've been stuck at just under a thousand followers now for months and months and months. And I need your help to grow. So if you could just like, share, subscribe, um, it'd be a great help. If you're going to watch us in the future, I prefer you watch us on YouTube where it really helps more than it does on Facebook. Um, So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate each and every one of you. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to Patriot Crusader Mission, where Christian warriors are forged. Sponsored by Patriot Crusader Mission Patreon page. Join us and become the Christian warrior you are called to be. Thank you for standing shoulder to shoulder with us in today's spiritual vanguard on Christian Warrior Talk, presented by Christian Warrior Mission. As we've united in prayer, let's hold fast to the truth in Nehemiah 4.14. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Until next time, let's keep a humble and grateful heart, deliberately pursue our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and equip ourselves with the full armor of God. You're not walking this path alone. Lock shields with us, and together we will hold the line. May God bless you all.